Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm gonna send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. Have you ever wanted to pursue a passion your whole life that is well outside your comfort zone? but you felt like you missed your opportunity and now you're just too old? Or maybe you always dreamed of running a marathon or you wanted to earn your black belt in martial arts, but somehow life always seemed to get in the way. Well, if any of this sounds familiar, today's guest, Ginny McCall, she's got some sage advice to share with you. It is never too late to get stronger. Ginny is an actress. She's been on shows such as Palms and Outcast. She's a former Broadway dancer. And at age 68, she has added competing on American Ninja Warrior to her long list of accomplishments. She's also the mother of two, her daughter being Jessie Graff, who is the record-breaking female athlete and stuntwoman that's also on American Ninja Warrior, who has served as her inspiration. In today's interview, you are going to hear how Ginny went from being at the top of her acting career during the 80s, working on Broadway and acting in national commercials, all while being a mom, by the way, to then getting divorced, aging out of all of the good roles, and ultimately having to leave New York City to start all over again as a single mom. Ginny is a master at understanding how to summon the right mindset to overcome any adversity, both on the ninja course and also in real life. And in today's world, knowing how to find opportunity amidst endless challenges, well, that's as important as ever. She's also an absolute machine when it comes to being consistent, and she demonstrates that determination and perseverance are going to take you a heck of a lot further than natural ability or talent. If you are feeling stuck, uninspired, or that you are just frankly too old to get back in shape, Jeannie is going to help you break out of the molds that you have trapped yourself in and encourage you to push beyond what you ever believed were your limits. And by the way, the second you are done listening to this interview, this is just part one. In part two, I interview her daughter and American Ninja Warrior legend, Jesse Graff. What a pair. Seriously, listening to these two episodes together will change your world. 
All right, without further ado, my conversation with American Ninja Warrior, Ginny McCall. I'm here today with Ginny McCall, who is an actress, a dancer who's formerly on Broadway and a competitive athlete in the sports of both ninja and swimming. She appeared last year alongside Diane Keaton in the movie Palms. She was a commercial star during the golden 80s of TV commercials, Mr. Clean included, by the way, I want to make sure to mention that, very important. And at the age of 68, you simultaneously have both been featured in AARP, and you also compete on American Ninja Warrior. Those two things don't usually go together. So, Ginny, first of all, I got to say, you have no idea how excited I am to finally have made this happen. Oh, thank you so much. And what a great impact. I have nothing more to add to that. You've just told my whole life history. So. Excellent. Well, then this is going to be a really short conversation, right? No, that was great. Thank you so much. And I'm delighted to be here with you and, and your audience. So I always love to come out of the gate with the really difficult questions first. Okay. 68 and American Ninja Warrior. Aren't you a little old? Isn't it aren't you a little crazy to be doing this stuff? Like, what's going on, really? Like, what in the world? You know, a, a lot of people say that to me, and I know people that are my age. They are they look at me strangely when I'm on the set, ready to go on competition, and they'll say something like, "You're competing," and it's like, "Mm-hmm, yep, I am." <laughs> I'm like, "Now, how do they know I'm older?" And so, I guess the gray hair must give it away, but. And then the 40-year-olds come and they say, you know, I wish my mom, I wish my dad would do this with me. And then the 20-year-olds are like, hmm, gee, I didn't really realize that, you know, when you hit your 50s and 60s, you can do anything anymore. <laughs> so, so I like to break those molds and let people know that you can start and you can do this and you can get stronger as you age. And that's my big motto right there is strength is ageless, whether you're young or you're in 60s or 70s. Um, it's never too late to get stronger. And the health benefits are phenomenal. Well, I'm a big fan of people that like to do things like you just said of breaking the mold, saying, well, this isn't supposed to be possible. The world and culture says I shouldn't be doing it. Don't care. I'm going to figure out how to do it anyway. So my next assumption is that if you're 68 years old running around on the American Ninja Warrior course, you clearly must have been an athlete your entire life because there's no other possible way that you could be doing this. So I'm sure that you are, you know, Olympic level athlete and professional athlete. So tell us all about all of your athletic accolades. You are so funny because I, you know that I have, uh, I started strength training when I was 63. Um, and I got my first pull up when I was 64. It took me an entire year because, well, let me just say this. Women of my generation did not lift weights. I you know, was the product of the 50s, 60s. And I don't think women even competed in weightlifting until the 70s. It was just not thought of as feminine. And so to get too bulky, it was like you won't find a husband. So that was, you know, just the thinking of the day. And it. it Still to this day, people feel that way. It's like, oh, I don't want to get too bulky. Whereas now I think people are thinking that healthy is beautiful. Healthy is strong. And it just, it just exudes your health, I think. So you can get started, you know, as late as I did. I did not do sports to answer your question, but I was a dancer. And I moved to New York to become a dancer. It's very different. I didn't have the upper body strength that you need. Uh, but I had the discipline, the discipline to keep going and keep focused in what I wanted to achieve. So like 
everybody said, oh, you can't go to, I grew up in Tennessee. They said, you can't go to New York and <laughs> make a living. And, you know, everybody always says those kind of things. You can't do this. And um, I knew it would take me three to five years and it worked. And you just, it's the persistence and the keeping at it. I got a divorce at one point after my, you know, kids were like, let's see, they're six and eight and had to move out of the city, which was absolutely devastating to me. And I moved to the country. And I'm like, I have to start all over again. And they were like, well, you, you can't. And I'm, by country, I mean the Poconos of Pennsylvania, which was about two hours out. So it was very rural and, and beautiful, but surrounded by woods. And people said, you can't just live there. And it was difficult, but I feel like it's like, it's almost like a challenge. It's like another obstacle in front of you. Like, what, what do you mean I can't do it? Well, certainly I can do this somehow. I can adapt. I can find it. It's like looking at the obstacles and go, well, I can't do this. I've never done it before. So hmm, how can I strategize in order to do it best my way to get through it? And, and I feel like I've been faced with that many, many times. So when I saw my daughter on American Ninja Warrior, I was just astounded at her grace and strength and health. She's so healthy looking. I said, Jesse, I want to get stronger. And she said, we'll do pull-ups. Huh. Well, that was a joke. So there I got my little pull-up bar in my little closet and I'm like moving away and trying to, trying to you know, lift 120 pounds, which was <laughs> impossible, pretty much impossible. I finally just got those little handles where you kind of go up and down and I sent a video to Jess and I said, look what I did. And she said, oh, mom, that's not really a pull up. You have to go all the way down and all the way up. So <laughs> I went to a personal trainer and that's when I started getting stronger and I didn't want to do it wrong. I didn't want to lift weights and hurt elbows and shoulders and all those things that go wrong when you don't know what you're doing. So um, I feel that I never did sports and I didn't learn like many of the ninja people have um, gymnastics and rock climbing and, and track um, tons of those kind of things that are just intuitive to them. So when they swing, they, just remember their gymnastics training and, and do it naturally. For me, I had to learn how to do a swing and it just never made sense. I mean, I have to go down to bare basics. So it's taken me a lot longer, but again, I've, I've found many health benefits along the way. So you mentioned, and I did, this just proves one of the reasons why I just, I gravitated to you immediately. And we'll talk more about the story of how you and I met, but the, the level of humility I love because you just nonchalantly say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I was watching my daughter, Jesse, compete and decided I want to do a pull-up. So your daughter is, I'm assuming, just some random competitor, Ninja Warrior, was maybe on it once here or there. Or like. <laughs> it's Jesse Graff, and oh, she's gone farther. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, she's gone farther than any other female on American Ninja Warrior. And um, she just has everything. I mean, it just, she's the whole package. She has the 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 outfit that just is so unique to her. She has this, she, she actually went to college and had went for engineering. She wanted to be an astronaut. So even that with the a rope swing, she sees if it's, it's meant all the obstacles are meant for you to fall. So they're not necessarily the rope going straight to the platform. They may be the platform, maybe at an angle. So you have to figure out how to get to that angle. And so she has that, that mind that engineering mind that works through the obstacles. 
so yeah, she uh, blossomed doing the show, and uh, I, I don't know. I'm she she blows me away as being so not only strong but just smart. I do love how you just kind of threw that away, though. Like you know, the the face of the entire sport on all the posters. Oh yeah, you know my my, my daughter Jessie, she helped me do a puddle. It's like oh okay, um, so I love that. So uh, the w- there are many things that I want to dive deeper into. This idea of discipline, focus, consistency, following through. So many of these things, um, I can also attest to this that firsthand engineering mindset and that focus that Jessie has. Um, I had the the pleasure. Uh, last year, while was actually the first time that you and I met, was testing last year at Ninja Warrior, and just chatting with her for five or ten minutes, and she just looked at the obstacle and was dissecting like every little tiny piece, and I was just like, "Wow!" Like you want to talk about the next level of focus and intensity? Like it was, it just it blew my mind, and I can obviously see where she got it from. But I think the the first part that I want to uh, I want to give people a little bit more perspective on. For anybody that's not familiar with you, that hasn't watched videos of you competing or training or hasn't seen you in person doing this, I think it's easy to think, oh, well, 68-year-old former dancer and actor, that's amazing. She she got her first pull-up, good for her, and she got an American Ninja Warrior. Anybody that has seen videos of you or followed you on Instagram knows that if you went up against me in a competition, <laughs> you'd kick my ass. I see you doing stuff that I can't do. So it's not a matter of good on you for doing what most 68-year-old women can't do. You're up against actual athletes and you're doing just as well or even better than them in some context. So I just want to make, I want people to understand, like there's a a video that I found. It's a picture of you with a full-on sledgehammer hitting a tire. I'm like, that's an image you don't see every day. <laughs> no, it's not. No, um, that's the fun part about it is that there most of the the obstacles when you accomplish it when you're able to do it is such a sense of I'll just say it again accomplishment. You looked at this thing and you go, I don't know if I've never done that. I don't know if I could do it. And then you finally get it, and it's like, wow, I thought it was impossible, but I did it. If I can do it. You can do it. Exactly. And if we, if we look back on that mentality and when you were telling your story, I think the, the most common word that you used was can't. Everybody telling you, you can't do this, you can't do that. And obviously your response is to, well, maybe I can't do it yet, but I can do it, right? Say that a lot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I want to really dissect and break down this mindset. I, and you and I talked about this a little bit more, and I'll, I'll tell uh, tell the story maybe a little bit later of how you and I met specifically. Um, but I think the number one lesson that I have learned over the last two and a half years of me deciding to jump into this world, because I too wasn't an athlete growing up. I played a little football and a little baseball, did some martial arts, but I was not an athlete. Always been a computer nerd, always been a movie nerd. That's always been my thing. And the lesson that I've learned having jumped into this when I started is at the age of 38, now the age of 40, I've got kids, got beyond a full-time job, not a whole lot of time to do all of this. But what I've learned is how often I tell myself I can't do something. It's just this voice over and over, well, you can't do that. What are you, are you crazy? You can't do this. And I'm continually forced into situations where I have to prove myself wrong And one of the first, just kind of the biggest aha moments, and it took maybe almost six months to a year to get here, but all of a sudden I asked myself the question, wait a second, what else am I telling myself that I can't do? Because I just realized I've been full of 
shit my whole life. <laughs> and it just became this whole new world of instead of thinking I can't do these things, it was what else am I telling myself I can't do that I can take on next? And I know that you've experienced something very, very similar. You are so right. We we spend the whole day. You, you should count out how many times you say that during the day. I can't do that. That recipe it has too many ingredients. I can't do this. Oh, I'd never be able to do that. We we do that constantly to ourselves. It's that little negative voice. It sits there, and and we have to get rid of all that. We have to stop it, and you know, not not say we can't because we can't. We all can do it. It's just, can you commit to it? You know, decide that you're going to do it and then follow through with it. And having a goal is the major thing, I think, in it all. And it has to be an attainable goal. So when I started doing obstacles, I took baby steps. I t- you know, first of all, there's a fear of falling and you're going to fall all the time. So it's like, the first thing I want to know is how I'm going to, it's like going down a ski slope, right? You want to sit down in the snow and do the snow plow and sit down. You want to know how to, how to fall correctly so you don't go barreling down the hill. And it's the same thing with the obstacle. You want to you know that you can land if you're hanging high, that you can land down and, and be on your toes and come down right where you're not going to hurt your wrists. So you have to have that understanding of how to get out of your situation if you know, things go wrong (laughs) and to fall, you have to learn how to fall correctly. But I also like with the floating steps, which are the angled steps that they have on American Ninja Warrior. And it used to be their first obstacle. They've changed it since. But what we did is we brought them in closer, not the, you know, the standard uh, distance. And I first looked at it and I went, you know, it's an angle. I'm going to break my ankle if I jump on that thing. So, so I tried just jumping on it and down and jumping on it and down and then took one to the next step. And, and so I take baby steps. It takes me much longer to accomplish the obstacle, but I break it down and go very slowly until I can work my way up to moving the steps out further and, you know, going with more confidence because once you decide to do it, you, you got to have a commitment. You can't like in the middle of the air go, oops, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> it's not going to work. But when I first stood in front of that audience of American Ninja Warrior and, you know, it's your turn and you walk up those steps and there are all those people and the lights and it's in the middle of the night and the water is there and the obstacle looks so different than you ever expected when you're right up there. And that's when it goes. Oh no, why did I decide I could do this? I shouldn't be up here. <laughs> and that's, you can't let that jump into you. You have to fight those negative thoughts all the time. And it's funny, um, a lot of it is just nervousness. And we, we have discussions a lot of times, what is nervous and, and what is excitement? Because sometimes you can change your mindset to think, this is exciting. Instead of like, oh, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. And I think they did some kind of a, um, a thing with the Olympians where they took a poll and the Olympians, when they looked about ready to compete, they said they were excited. But when you took a person like you and me that are getting up to go into a regional meet, we look at it as, oh, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. And it's more of a negative connotation. So I try to like take my breath and focus on exactly what I'm trying to accomplish in that moment and try to focus on that, not on all the other things that happen. 
My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're going to invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the topo mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the topo mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash topo. That's T-O-P-O. Yeah, and one of the, the experiences that I had, and I haven't even gotten to the level where you are yet, where you've actually been on the show. I've only uh, only been a tester so far. And I had that same experience where I'd been watching the show on TV for years. And you say, oh, that's really cool. That looks like fun. But you don't really understand the scale of it when you watch it on TV. And I had no idea what I was getting into. I'd been doing backyard training and, you know, going to gyms. I've done tons of Spartan races and Tough Mudders. And so that was the scale that I was used to. Then I got onto the course and I ran the first two obstacles as a tester. And I remember just standing up there, like you said, thinking, what have I done? Why am I standing here right now? What have I been thinking? And this is huge. Right. Like the, the, the one that I remember specifically, and I actually watched you do it first was walk the plank. So that was the one for anybody that doesn't know. It's basically a giant seesaw where you're on one end of the seesaw on the bottom end. You're walking up to the middle of it and then it obviously tips. And before gravity is taken out from under you and you go in the water, you've got to jump and you've got to grab a bar and then swing down another bar and jump and lache like it's a, just a whole thing. And I was coming to that testing day feeling pretty confident. And then I got up there. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is so <laughs> not the scale. That, it's so high up there. And when I watched it on TV, I'm like, that just looks so small on TV. People don't really, because you watch these athletes do it. You're like, oh, that looks like fun. That doesn't look like it would be that hard. But the lesson that I learned that day was uh, just to kind of double off of what you said was commitment, 
right? You think, oh, I'm not strong enough to do this, or I don't have the forearm strength, or I'm not fast enough. What I learned is that it's so little about the physical part, and it's so much more about the mental part. And like you said, when you're doing a lachey or swing, you're walking up the, the plank and it goes out from under you, you can't say, oh, hold on a second. I just want to do this at 50% speed. You're either <laughs> yeah. in it or you're wet. Like it's just either of those two things and bringing that lesson off of the course into life has completely changed the way that I do things where I've learned that the commitment to something is so much more important than the, the level of strength or the level of experience. It's the difference between I am going to do this or I'm not going to do it as opposed to Meh, maybe I'll try, I guess. Right. And that, and that makes all the difference in the world. And it sounds like the, the Ninja Warrior course for you is just another version of you doing that same thing your entire life. It is. And you also I think all the training that you do leading up to something like that, like I wouldn't go to testing if I'd never, you know, done any kind of sports or gotten any kind of strength. But all the training that you've done when you run to try to catch something and I'm learning something every day of how to look at an obstacle and figure it out ahead of time. Like, oh, right there, it bounces. I'm going to have to be aware of that. And so you really want to look at it very carefully, decide what you're going to do. And then, like you said, we we have to commit. Uh, But the strength that you've gained along the way of doing things like it, I may not have ever been on those floating steps on American Ninja Warrior before, but I've tried to be on steps that are like it. And so that you can go in like, well, I've done this before, so I should be able to do this. They also do a really good job of making you think that you're well-prepared and then they design something that's new (laughs) and you're like, come on, like a year of training in this, like I have no idea what to even do with this. So you watch the season, you think, oh yeah, the quad steps or this or that or the other thing. And then you come back the next season, you're like, give me a break. Like, really? And those athletes make it look easy. Like those steps, the very first steps, the, uh, quintuple steps, Mm -hmm. they make it, they just like leap from one to the other. And you go, well, I think I could do that. And then you get up there and it's like, well, that's a lot farther. And boy, they're steeper too. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's a whole different world as far as scale and the mental side and the physical side. Absolutely. They say that the the mental is like 80%. Oh, is it only 80? I would have said like 90% because I learned that real fast. I was like, yeah, physically, I feel like my training has gone well, but mentally I was not even close to being ready, which actually uh, is a perfect segue to the story of how you and I uh, really kind of, you know, had our uh, getting to know each other party, so to speak, is I had spent the entire year thinking about failing on Walk the Plank. Like I decided at the age of 38, I've got two kids, I'm overweight, I spent all my time in front of a computer, screw it, I'm going to become an American Ninja Warrior, (laughs) train for a year and a half, get the opportunity to test, go and walk the plank, splash, done, right? And then that was it. Didn't have another opportunity. You think you're going to go there and get to play around and test stuff out? No, like you, you maybe get an opportunity, maybe two, but there's so many people that you lose that opportunity. So that image was in my brain all year, just like it is with any athlete where maybe, you know, it's a game or an event or whatever it is, and you fail at something, and you're just thinking about that moment over and over and over. The time finally comes to redeem myself, get on the course, you were there as well, where it was just drizzling a little bit, first morning of testing, we're all lined up, okay, everybody, we're going to go to the first obstacle, we're all there getting ready to go, I think I was maybe five or six in line to do the floating steps, the first guy runs across, 
slips on a little drizzle. All right, guys, we're going to have to just, you know, close things down for a few minutes, make sure that it's safe, wipe things down. And then torrential downpour for the next at least six to eight hours. And you and I are just staring 10 feet away from the obstacles that we spent an entire year training <laughs> to get on. And it's, it's just like holding candy in front of a five-year-old, like just the, the carrot on the stick. You're like, oh my God, a whole year. And I can physically touch the obstacle and I can't go on it. And then, it, I mean, the, and what, I, what I want to take out of this is the idea of finding opportunity in every situation because that day could have sucked. I mean, it was cold, it was windy, it was rainy. And not only that, but just to add fuel to the fire, that was also the day that we found out firsthand on set, hey guys, no more American Ninja Warrior were shut down because of the coronavirus. And of the two and a half years that I've spent training for American Ninja Warrior, that day is my favorite ninja memory. <laughs> because you and I spent the whole afternoon just chatting about life and I had so much fun. Yes. Yep. And I could have been so disappointed about that day. And there was still some disappointment about having spent so much time training and being 35 seconds away from getting to run the obstacle again and redeem myself. But we find the opportunity in every situation. And you've had to find ways to do that more than once as well. So I want to go back in time. There are a couple of places I want to go much deeper into your story. The first of which that you already alluded to a little bit is this idea of having to go through a very painful divorce and you become a single mom with kids that uh, are six and eight. So take me back to that time because you had been a dancer. Things were really going well for your career. And now all of a sudden you're thinking, well, I guess I got to sell advertising for radio. I don't know what yeah. to do. So, so, so talk to me about going back in that period of time, which was rather difficult and what the mindsets were that helped you get through it. Well, I want you to keep in mind that um, sometimes those awful things, the worst things that happen to you lead to the greatest opportunities, which is what you just said too. And I think overall it did, but I was at the top of my career in New York City. I you know, had the kids, I was married. We had a house in the country that we would escape New York City, which I think a lot of people have been escaping the city these days. Mm -hmm. I was doing commercials. I'd been on Broadway. I did the show Pippin in 1973 through 76. So being uh, the understudy to a lead on a Broadway show was the most exciting thing ever. And, and I got to go on for two weeks straight and I would walk down Broadway going, I'm playing a lead in a Broadway show. I mean, it can't get any better than this. It was just a terrific time. And then I started doing TV commercials and uh, this was during the eighties that so there were no DVRs. So people actually watched these and they were classics. They're on YouTube right now. You can see a bunch of them and, and they're so much fun to watch. It, all those things were doing good. And then it started, I hit like 45 and my audition went down. I was just not the right age anymore. They started sending me on gas X and hemorrhoids and depends. And <laughs> but besides that, the amount of auditions went down terrifically. So I was not working as much. So the, the monetary was going down at the same time as now we had a divorce at hand and we couldn't stay in the city and do the private schools. So I moved out to the house in the country, which is in the Poconos and it was on the lake. It was a beautiful lake. It was a beautiful place, but it was very remote and 
we were like surrounded with 400 acres and people didn't stay there in the wintertime. So I soon found that it was very difficult living and it was hard to find a job. Now, never having done anything besides acting and dancing, I'm like, what do I do? So here we are in this house and now I have the kids, I'm getting them into school. And it's like, I ran down and I went, what do I do? Nobody would hire me with two kids, you know, thinking that I would not show up many times. So I I went to the bookstore and I just cried. I said, you have to hire me. And they hired me at 5.15 an hour. You you know, that didn't take me very long. (laughs) That didn't help. So I had to start teaching dance. And that's when Jesse took all my classes. And um, I, I taught tons of classes. I could bring the kids with me. It was usually after school, obviously, for the kids to teach kids and, uh, and adults as well. So that started coming into play. But it was the weather that was so crazy. We had blizzards. We were like stuck back in this house with no one around for like a week at a time, sometimes without power. So we didn't have TV, um, well, cable. We had TV, but not cable. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have computers. So the kids played outside all the time. They made teepees in the woods. It was a different kind of lifestyle from for them. A um, lot happened around the lake in the in the summertime, but in the wintertime, you know, it was hard to make a living. It was hard to get through a day, really, with all the things that needed to be done. There are a couple of stories like my bat story, which I love to tell. And that was when, you know, the bat was in the house and I told the kids, get into this bedroom. I'm putting a towel underneath it. And if I start screaming, don't worry about it. I'm fine. I've got to get this bat. It went down, got the badminton rackets and I'm squealing and and everything, trying to get the bat, not getting in my hair, you know, and I was getting nowhere. It was like expending energy, screaming my head off. And I went, okay, I have to figure this out. I'm not going to sleep here with a bat in the house with kids here. I have to get this bat. And so I took a moment and I was able to herd him into the kitchen, saw him a little upside down, tiny little thing in the corner, (laughs) was able to whack him, get him out of there. And it was there. That kind of a situation was like, there's nobody else here to take care of it. You have to do it and you have to find out a way to do it. And that was a continual situation. Like with the blizzard, we would, we would, I would take Jessie and I pushed her out the window and she would tunnel through the snow. And then we would start to shovel the snow off the roof because the roofs were falling in at that time. I don't know if you remember that, but there was so much snow. So there were these, you know, how do you deal with um, keeping the fire going? We'd take the, the water from the lake. My other favorite story is uh, my son got real ill at one of these blizzards with the electricity out and he needed medicine and nobody could get back to my house, nor could anybody get out. So I found a friend to bring the medicine to the closest house and I cross-country skied to that person to get the medicine and cross-country skied back. And again, it was like, well, I can't do anything to help you, Darren. Am I going to leave him like that or figure out a way? How am I going to get that medicine to him? There has to be a way. And so, you know, it was just that kind of thing. And, and with the kids, it was bringing them up to, to, to find the fun in everything. We would find games that we could do and play. Like, what are you going to do if um, 
a bear comes into the kitchen, how are we going to get out of the house? Or if a hurricane comes, what are we going to do? Where do we go? And we would come up with these, you know, different scenarios of, of having to, to figure life out. Well, it's certainly no mystery then knowing that uh, some of the games that were played growing up were, hey, kids, if a bear comes in the house, how are we going to escape it? The the natural progression of Jesse ending up as an American Ninja Warrior makes a lot more sense to me now. <laughs> oh, and she used to play the floor is lava a lot, too. So that yeah. well, well, one of the realizations that I had recently, and I'm sure that I was the last person to realize that you guys talk about it all the time. But it just occurred to me, I'm like, oh, my God. American Ninja Warrior is just the floor is lava for adults. That's all it is, right? It's that simple. It's just we want to keep playing this game and just make it bigger and harder and, you know, more difficult. (laughs) But it's basically the floor is lava for, you know, adults. So we got that. Now let's make it harder. What do we do to make it harder? Let's jump higher, further. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So one of the the more serious parts of the story that I really want to extract that I think is so important for people to understand is when you said – I guess I'm just going to have to figure this out, right? You're in a situation where you don't really have other options. You don't want to be in the situation. You don't want to have to deal with the batch or getting the the medicine and the the snowstorm and cross-country skiing, but you know you don't really have options. You can't choose the more comfortable, simpler option. This is reality. I'm going to have to figure something out. I'm thinking that given present circumstances, this might be a useful mindset for other people to adopt. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. In fact, I just had a conversation with Jesse the other day about how we needed to be sure you have your plan B. Always have a plan B. And so I have a box that's always packed and ready in case we needed to like leave in a hurry with, you know, the hurricanes that hit here in North Carolina. But um, yeah, you, you have to have, I, I like to have plans. I like to have goals too. Goals are huge with me. Every day I have to have a goal that I have to accomplish. Or I don't feel I don't feel good if I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same way and I think that that's something that's a lot harder for people to focus on right now. Um a lot of the people that I talk to it's like, "Well, what's what's the point? Why why focus on career advancement or, you know, why focus on getting strong and fit if I can't go to the gym or what's the point of even training for American Ninja Warrior if they're not going to be shooting for another year or whatever it is. Like we don't know the circumstances, but it just seems so much harder to stay focused and motivated when basically the entire world is shut inside and it's like, what's the point? So how do you set goals and stay motivated if you're being told you've got to stay home and you can't go to the gym and you can't compete? I actually have gotten myself in a nice little pattern um, and found things. Um, I take a online class. I mean, look at how many people have adapted to it with the Zoom and Skype classes, whatever. But I take online exercise classes in the morning, every morning at nine. I mean, I plan it the night before because I don't want to give myself an excuse not to do it. If I if I have one excuse not to do it, then that gives me an excuse not to do another one. So I I try to be very, very you know, patterned about it. So I think about what is the class I'm going to take? Okay. It's going to be strength training. Great. And I, you know what, I'm going to get dressed and come up and sit there with my online class for an hour. So I always do that, but there are lots of other things that you can do. Like I, um, I work out going up and down a bridge ramp. It's the ramp underneath the bridge. That's very steep to Oak Island. So there's this huge bridge that goes over to Oak Island and there's a ramp underneath it. And uh, I run up and down it. 
So I posted it on Instagram and I got some comments about how to come down correctly too. So that was great. Hey, I'm on a, I'm a hiker. You should do it in a zigzag or somebody said, try it doing lunges backwards. So now I have more ways of doing it. And I think my legs are getting stronger. They have to be. I counted um, 28 kind of running leaps up, steps up, and then coming down slower, of course. And I did it 10 times today. And that is, I think, going to help me get up that warped wall. So that's really a nice feeling. Like, I'm going to come out stronger with this. I don't have any any, you know, ninja gym near me, but those kind of finding those things and what you can do to help yourself when there's nothing else around is, is, is a great thing. I happen to be lucky that um, I have a friend who also was on American Ninja Warrior, an uh, older gentleman who's built some obstacles in his front yard. So I am able to actually work with them and we're taking them and, and finding new ways to, to use the same obstacles that we have. And that's been fun as well. So, you know, there's a, a lot of other things that you can do when it comes to, you know, exercise. There's biking, there's running or jogging or walking. But for me, it's a passion now. It's become when I've seen what the health benefits are. And if you don't mind me zigzagging into the health benefit that I actually experienced was I had osteopenia, which is the step before osteoporosis. And it's... It's quite common as you age that you lose your bone mass. In fact, um, Americans lose it like one to two percent of their bone mass per year as you get older. And so um, after lifting weights for two years, I uh, had the bone density test and I had reversed it. It went from osteopenia to normal. It changed significantly. And when I found that out, I went, I've got to shout this out to people. Why wait till you have osteoporosis or osteopenia? A lot of these things, you don't know what's happening. I mean, you don't feel that you're losing bone mass, maybe muscle you can see, but bone mass, you don't know necessarily. And if you, if you do this, it's, it's just, you, you have to do the, the work. You have to do it in order to be healthy as you age. And so the strengthening that the bones get, so what happens with, is the exercise produces testosterone, which converts to estrogen and their estrogen receptors in your bones. And that's what makes the bones stronger. Jogging would do it. I mean, there are many different ways to do that, whether it's you know push-ups, just lifting your own body or pull-ups or using weights. But all those things are, they're just essential. You got to start doing it now. You just have to. Don't wait. And you can do it as late, like with resistance bands. You can do that as late as 90. I've seen plenty of people that have done that kind of thing. So the statistics are awful. It's like 20 million American women have osteoporosis. So one in two women over 50 will get a fracture from osteoporosis. And they're like 300,000 hip fractures a year. I mean, it's just stunning. So if you can fix it, why wouldn't you? And so that's the message I want to get out there. I'm trying to do it right now with the same thing. Um, exercise is great for your arteries. It keeps, you know, when you think of the aerobics and the moving and the jogging and the fast walking, which is what I 
suggest to people who don't, you know, why should I, I don't, there's nothing to do. There's walking, there's jogging, there's, you know, doing the combination of both, getting your heart rate up, getting the circulation going. I have some blockage in my carotid artery and they don't want to do anything with it until it gets to a certain place because it's dangerous to do any kind of things like that. So I'm I'm sitting there going, huh, well, I guess there's nothing I can do about it. And then I went, wait a minute, if I reverse the bone density, then why can't I reverse the plaque? So I started reading more and more about it that, you know, obviously I get the exercise. So now I've changed my diet and I'm, you know, why not? Maybe I can do that too. Maybe I can fix that. But again, if you think about these things now and you think about the diet and the simple things that you can do to change to not get the cholesterol up and the exercise is huge in that because that builds your HDL, the good stuff in the cholesterol that fights the bad stuff. So if, if you could do these things, you'll have a much better life going forward. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat, and I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. I could not agree more with all of that. I could frankly talk about this for four hours, but I have a different soapbox that I need to stand on if we're going to have that conversation for four hours. I left that in the other room. Um, and I, I mean, everything you said is absolutely spot on. But here's the reality that I've learned from years and years of shouting the stuff from the rooftops. People already know a lot of this stuff. They don't know all of it, right? But if you and I were to talk about, well, did you know that exercising – and moving more and eating more vegetables and less cookies would make you healthier. I had no idea. That's what it takes to be healthy. I'm shocked, right? That's not, I mean, when, when we get into the nuances, you're absolutely right. There are a lot of people that just accept, well, I've got osteoporosis. I guess I have to drink more milk and take my calcium pills and fingers crossed, I get healthier. And once again, it's this theme of, well, you're telling me I can't, I'm gonna show you that I can. But I find that the, the magic that I see over and over and over with people that are successful is consistency. Right, You don't have access to more information that other 68-year-old women don't or other 45-year-old men don't. 
we all have access to the same information. It's those that take action, but even more importantly, it's those that take action consistently. And it is my life's work to understand and deconstruct how people maintain consistency. So I want to go back to a very specific point in your journey, which you already talked about, which is the journey from zero to one pull-up. I can't imagine most people, if you told them in advance, we're going to get you to do one pull-up and it's going to take more than a year that they'd say, sounds great, sign me up. Everybody wants immediate results. They want to enjoy the process. They want to look better in 90 days, give me total life transformation. But if it's after day 100, I don't have time for that. (laughs) You're so right. How do you get yourself from zero pull-up to one pull-up? How do you get the mindset to keep doing it every day, failing every day until you finally succeed? Well, um, it's, it's a process. And as I told you before, I went to a personal trainer because I knew I would hurt myself. I wouldn't know what I was doing. And uh, I still don't know what I'm doing a lot of the times. I'm like, huh, what, what is that? But um, that was the most important thing because I realized that, you know, I'm not going to be able to do a pull up until I get my arms stronger, my back, my chest, you have to work on the whole body. So um, I went to him and I said, this is my goal. Five pull-ups. That's what I want to do. I thought that was an attainable goal. But what happened is when you start feeling the strength that you're gaining and and then what people will say to you, like, oh, you look like you're getting pretty toned. I just like, you know, (laughs) perk up and feel real good about that. I mean, who wants to stop when you're starting to like look good in, in strength? So it took seven months to reach that point where I could see, literally see a difference. And unfortunately, most people stop their their training program at six months. Oh, if they could only, you know, stick it out that next month. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, but it's different for everybody. I had no upper body strength. I had nothing. So that takes a while um, to do, but I just, I kept up at it because it made me feel good. And I could see the, the changes, but it took a while to see that. Um, it was also a very creative kinds of things that we did. We took the sledgehammer against the, the tire. We pulled the sled. I mean, these, these things like that, you know, I'd never done in my life. It was, it was kind of fun and challenging. So after seven months, seeing that kind of change, it was ex- really exciting to just stick with it. But I think it's having a goal that is attainable. It's not like, oh, I have to do 20 pull-ups. It's it's each one. It's also having somebody there keeping you accountable. That, That was big for me. But it's a purpose. And then the other thing is a lot of people decide they want to, but very few people commit. So you have to have a commitment to it, whatever it is, because there's tons of different things that you can get into, whether there's bike riding or kayaking or paddle boarding or tennis. There's, there's so many things. You just have to find the right one or go to classes, go to CrossFit, go to, you know, and, and work your way up and don't expect, don't compare yourself to others and don't expect that you're going to get it in a month or two. Know that it may take seven or eight months to get that goal that you want. And then being consistent, I think, forms a habit. Like I said earlier, I don't want to skip a day taking the classes because that just gives you an excuse to not go to another one. So 
I try to plan ahead and know, okay, I, I'm going to wear this. I'm going to take this class and I'm going to be gone doing that for an hour. And then I can get other things done. Usually for me, it's in the morning. Um, when I was doing radio um, after that whole process in, in the Poconos, I devised like a 20 minute program I did every single day that was just like crunches and stretches and 23, I had 23 push-ups that I did. And so it was just something that you did. You don't even think about it. You just do it. It's a habit, like brushing your teeth or you don't even think about what side of the bed you're going to sleep on when you go to bed. It's you just do it. It's just part of your life. And I guess then you just have to build on that because it may be that you walk 20 minutes three times a week and then you build it up so you're walking faster and then you get your heart rate up. You may jog a little bit, start fast walking, do it five days a week. And then you just, like I said, you just build on that and get stronger. And then maybe there are other things that you want to add to it. And like me, if it's me or my kids, we like to make it fun somehow. So I, I find one great thing is finding a buddy, finding a workout buddy. It's so much more fun to do obstacles when you can watch somebody else. Oh, that's a great idea. I should try that. Or what were you doing? What made you get that that I didn't get? So and walking, you know, sitting there chatting with somebody else is, is a, a wonderful way to do it. But I think that if you you can plan it day by day, but you also can like look and see what where do you want to be in a year? Where do you want to be in two years? And I think when you map that out in your head, then you, now you've started a plan. Now you have to do it. You have to commit to it. And I think those those little steps that you take in the beginning, whether it's three times a week, 20 minutes each time, lead to big changes. And um, it's, it's really going to decide the quality of the rest of your life. So, you know, keep at it, get moving and then keep at it. Does that answer your question at all? I think it does. Uh, and then some, you, a little you, bit of a plan. You, you, you've done all of my work for me, which I very much appreciate. Um, if I were to break that down very simply, the first one is accountability. Got to have people that you're doing it with, you're accountable to, whether it's a friend, whether it's a workout buddy, whether it's a personal trainer, that's huge, right? The next one that I think was so important is this idea of setting small but attainable goals because if it's a matter of I've never done a pull-up, so my next goal is I'm going to get up the worth wall in American Ninja Warrior. There's a lot in between those two things, right? But you're setting these small goals of just one pull-up, then five pull-ups, then a lache, then a longer lache, then I'm going to do cliffhangers, then I'm going to do walk the plank, right? But it's these small progressions. And I think the other thing to extract from here that's so important has been a huge lesson for me is that if you don't enjoy the process, you're never going to get to the result. The process itself has to be fun. But I mean, ninja training, like you can either look at it as, well, another day of nothing but failure or, man, another day of nothing but failure. How much fun was that? Right. <laughs> and that once you take that approach, it makes it so much easier to stay consistent because you're not just focused on the fact that you haven't reached a goal. You're looking at the process and it's so much fun. Right. But there, there's one further layer that I think is really important to talk about if you're willing to, to dive into one more concept before we go. And I think that you also have to have a much deeper why. So I'm assuming that there's a deeper layer beyond I want to be in good shape. I want to avoid breaking a hip. I've got uh, osteopenia and I want to reverse bone density. But I'm guessing there's a deeper why that's the undercurrent of everything 
that has driven you towards, instead of saying, I can't, I'm just going to have to figure it out until the point where I can. What's the deeper why for you? Wow, that's a pretty heavy question. Uh, The deeper why, um, you know, some of it just evolves. I always said, you know, acting and dancing was just like a trunk of a tree and it just evolves. There are branches that you take in life that you may not have expected to be there, but it's like, huh, American Ninja Warrior. Well, that, that, be fun. That's interesting. And, and you take these little different branches and that's sort of how that's turned out. But once I get a hold of something, I want to be the best at it. I don't want people to go, Oh, she's great for 68. No, I want to be as good as some of the 20 and 30 year olds. I mean, there's no reason I can't. Right. I mean, I, I think I just I want to excel at it. I want to be, I don't have to be the ninja, the Jesse, the best of the best, but I want to be at a, at a, at a strong level. I, I used to always say to her, I wanted, I wish I kept dancing to be the very best of the best, like an Olympian, go to the Olympics, but I never did because I, I acting, dancing, you know, different levels and layers that I, that I took what would it take to to be the very best at something and so you know it may be something else it may not be the dancing it may not be the acting or maybe it'll become the acting because that as you know I, I started back to acting and when I retired as a granny but it was <laughs> there was a 20-year lapse in my acting there and anybody that um, wants to see a 68 year old be a cheerleader and do the splits Check out Palms. Great movie. <laughs> it was a fun movie. It was a great cast. But it's like just, I don't know. It's like those little attainable goals. And and if you keep at it, I think it's the persistence. If you're a dancer and you're an actress, you're used to rejection. And, you know, in, in Ninja, you have a lot of falls. And I think a lot of it is just you can take all that rejection, but you're focused on where you're going. Maybe that's what it is. It's like you have a, like we were saying, a goal, a purpose. You have, okay, now that I've started this Ninja Warrior, I don't want to just, you know, be a failure at the first obstacle. I want to get through three obstacles and maybe the next time four obstacles. So it's my, my goal keeps going out a little bit further. I got one pull up. So my new goal was three and then it became five and then it maybe became eight maybe 10. Now I'm up to 15. The goal keeps going out further, but um, it's a very hard question to answer because I think I just have a absurd determination to keep at it. Now, I fell in a, a, a American Ninja Warrior on the first obstacle and I was devastated, devastated. I thought I'd let everybody down. My family, Jesse, seniors, um, it just slipped and happened and boom, there I was blum, 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 in the water. <laughs> and it took me a long time because it's one thing to fail in front of, you know, your friends are at a regional, but in front of everybody <laughs> it was pretty awful. But, you know, you learn from those and you go, well, I'm enjoying doing it. I'm going to get up. I could just sit back and do something else. But no, I've got to conquer those steps. And that's why I started testing was because then I would get on the obstacles and get a little bit more used to being in front of the producers. And, and I'm not going to let that obstacle beat me. 
And so I want to just keep keep planning. I want to see if I can get stronger. I, I didn't know I could get stronger. So maybe I can continue to get stronger. I'm going to just keep going there until something tells me it's time to move on to the next thing. But my determination will take me pretty far. I mean, when you think about it as going from Tennessee to New York City when I was 20, I think that's a huge step and a, a huge determination to this is what I'd like to do and I'm going to do it. And, and the same thing happens throughout life is, okay, this is the best area for me to be in. And I'm going to pursue that. And it took, you know, I've been down here in North Carolina for, I don't know, five years. Took me three years before I was able to get my first job in acting again. So nothing, you know, success takes a lot of time. And there are a lot of falls along the way. But it's the lessons you learn along the way. And that keeps you going. Like I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm, in, I'm doing. If I, if I start to not enjoy it, then you know maybe I have to rethink it. Maybe there's something else out there for me. But at this point, you know, let me see how far I can go. Let me like test my limits. Maybe there are no limits. <laughs> maybe I'll be hanging by my fingertips in stage three. Who knows what's possible? I love all of that. And uh, I think that the one of the coolest things that I always like to look at is the, the ripple effect of, of those kinds of decisions. And the fact that you're setting these goals, you're so determined to reach them. Clearly, it is very obvious how Jessie became the person that she is now and how she has succeeded <laughs> – and you look at the effect that both you have had on the world and the effect that she has had on the world and the multitude of people that are changing their direction in life because they saw her or the little girls that are saying, I want to be her. I feel empowered. I feel strong. Right. Like a lot of that just comes from you as a 20 year old or a 25 year old or a 30 year old saying, well, got to figure out how to get the medicine because I'm going to have to learn how to cross country ski. No other way around it. The obstacles in front of me, I'm going to have to figure it out, right? Right. And just that right. one mentality has had a ripple effect on so many people in such a positive way. Which I is remember one, one, one family came up to me about Jesse and they were saying, hey, you know, I just want you to know that um, my daughter was watching her on TV and went, turned to him and said, do you think I could do that? And he said, sure. You know, I mean, there it is in front of you. I mean, we didn't know. We don't. We don't know the limits of what we can do. And we've listened to all these things that people tell us a lot of times, whether it's on advertising or it's in Hallmark, you know, you're, you're gone after age 30, you're downhill. You know, you listen to these things like, you know, women don't lift weights. But, you know, there's things out there that you can do. You certainly can do them. And maybe they aren't necessarily right all the time so you know see how far you can go have fun with it you know dream your dreams follow through with those dreams they're they're important to have well if ever there was a time to use the mentality of this is my reality and i guess i have to figure it out we're in the perfect position right nothing but time to figure all of it out um so yeah, exactly. uh Right. So that having been said um i don't want to take up uh any more of your time want to be respectful of it but my 
goodness, was this a lot of fun. I knew it would be for all the time that I wanted to make it happen. This was everything I hoped it would be and more. I cannot thank oh, you enough man. for being with me today, Jenny. If people are inspired by you, they want to find you on Instagram or website, or they want to reach out and ask you questions, what's the best way for people to find you? Um, it's just my name, but it's spelled. I mean, both both my names are Yeah, it's are a bit of a doozy. Yeah, it's Jenny is G-I-N-N-Y, and McCall is M-A-C-C-O-L-L. So that's, I'm, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. And I, I would love to know if anybody got inspired enough to get up and start moving. I would love to hear about it. I try to respond to everybody, but it makes me feel so great. And it inspires me in turn. When somebody says, you made me feel that I need to, and I can do this, then I go, oh, wow. I can do this some more. I've got, I've, I've got to talk to more people. I've got to do more and show more. So if people say, if she can do it at age 68, I can do it. Well, you're already talking to one person that can say all of that to you. Cause uh, every time that I feel like I don't want to do something, don't want to do a workout, can't do this. <laughs> All right, fine. What's Jenny up to? All right, I'll shut up now. I'll go back to training, whatever. So yeah, so, so I'm definitely on that list. Uh, but this has been an absolute okay. pleasure. I cannot thank you enough for being here with me today. You're welcome. And to all your audience as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.